Welcome to Inner Work with Marianne Walker, certified life coach for the helpers, healers, and anyone who wants to up-level their life. Life is what you make it, and here we make life pretty great. Come on in. Hi there, and welcome back. It is absolutely gorgeous outside today. I don't know where you are at, but at least on this day that I'm recording this, <laughs> it is beautiful outside. I'm starting to feel like it's fall out there with these cooler mornings, and I just love it. <laughs> so have you ever found yourself wanting to create change, but you just feel stuck? Like maybe you're trying to increase connection in your marriage or decrease your weight, or maybe you feel like you're stuck in a power struggle with your teenager and you try and you try and you try and yet nothing seems to change. If you're thinking that you've tried everything and you're still feeling stuck, um, it might be time to take a look at your thoughts and see how your thoughts are impacting your outcome. I was recently talking with a friend and client who is blessed enough to be doing both therapy and coaching at the same time. And while I have done both, I've never done them at the same time. So I was very interested to hear her perspective on what the similarities and differences were. And of course, she was just speaking to her experience, but she said something interesting. She said that therapy had been really helpful for her in helping her to come up with actions to take and that coaching was super helpful. Um, when it came to adjusting her thinking around making those changes. I thought that was pretty fascinating. Uh, but, you know, I had a kind of similar experience when I was going to uh, couples counseling with my husband. I remember uh, one time, this was years ago, but we had this assignment that we were supposed to do before our next session where we we're supposed to write down our needs and then bring them with us to the session so we could discuss them as a couple about what things we, we could do to meet the needs of our partner. And um, so, you know, we we'd talk about it and compromise and see what we can make it work. And, and all sounded like super great on paper. You know, it's a very positive thing to figure out not only to be able to articulate and identify your needs, but to be able to share them with your partner and, and see where you guys can come together. Uh, but we soon realized that there were two big flaws in this um, incomplete plan. So the first flaw was that it was making the other person responsible for our own personal happiness. And the second was, since the plan was based solely around what actions we were going to take, we never really addressed our thoughts around those actions. And so it wasn't super sustainable for us. And honestly, it was addressing the thoughts around it that first drew me to coaching. So as my friend and I were kind of comparing notes, we concluded that the most successful sessions, whether they happen in a therapist's office or in a coaching session, are those sessions that address not only the actions to be taken, but also the thoughts that we have around the needed action to be taken. So I do what is called causal coaching. And this means that when you come to a session with me, you sit down and share your problem and we kind of look at your brain together uh, just as curious observers and see what your thoughts are that are coming around that that are creating those situations. So in other words, we take a look at the actual source of the issue, which is our thoughts, right? Our human brains like to tell us that it's our circumstances that are to blame. But as you'll remember from previous episodes, our circumstances are neutral. It's our thoughts around our circumstances that determine how we feel and how we show up. In order to show clients how their thoughts are creating their situation, 
I use what we call the life coach school, the model. And the model helps us to separate out our thoughts from our circumstances and see how our thoughts are creating our emotions. And our emotions are always what determines our actions and behaviors, which creates our results. So let me share a model with you that I see pretty often in my coaching practice uh, to kind of help you see what this looks like. So in this example, the client is trying to improve her marriage by changing her actions. But you will notice that her thoughts aren't necessarily supportive of long-term permanent change. So we will call this person Bridget. Just a heads up, we will be talking about sex in a very, very PG way, <laughs> but I wanted to give you a heads up since I know many of you are stay-at-home moms with little ears, and while nothing will be explicit, I know that there are varying comfort levels out there, so here we go. So in this model, Bridget has decided to initiate sex with her husband once a week. Bridget's thought around this is, well, maybe if I'm meeting my husband's physical needs, then maybe he'll meet my emotional needs. And that thought created a lot of skepticism for Bridget. When she was feeling skeptical, she had some different behaviors going on, right? Because our feelings always lead to our actions. So she was hesitant to initiate. She was not fully present in the bedroom. She was expecting her husband to show up differently, judging what he is and isn't doing for her. She was also keeping track of how often her needs were being met versus how often she was initiating sex to fulfill his need. And then she was kind of pointing it out to him, you know, kind of like, well, I guess you owe me one. <laughs> and while she's doing all of these things, there are also things that she was not doing. So she wasn't thinking about ways that she could genuinely connect with her husband. She wasn't being fully present. And she wasn't seeing the ways um, that he was showing up for her because she was so focused on looking for the ways that he wasn't showing up. And this created a result where neither of them really had their needs truly being met. You know, she wasn't really in it. And of course, he could feel that. So now he is also feeling tentative and skeptical. And neither one of them is feeling fulfilled. So as you can see, Bridget's thinking, if I do this, then he will do this, created disconnect rather than genuine connection in her marriage. And with Bridget, I can tell you that it was making it significantly harder for her to enjoy herself as well. It wasn't the pleasant and connective experience that either of them was wanting it to be because she wasn't able to be present. Instead, her mind was in the future thinking about how and when he now needed to show up for her, right? She was shooting on him that you should be doing this. And she was also very much living in the past, kind of thinking on all the ways that he had failed her in the past. And that made it very, very hard for her to genuinely show up for him or even for herself in that situation. So some other common thoughts that clients in similar situations have come to me with are, oh, we'll see how long this change of behavior actually lasts. He's only doing this so that I will do that. I'm going to do this just to prove that she won't change. I'm going to prove to her how unsustainable her request is for me. I'm going to do this just so I can tell people that I have tried everything. So as you can see, all of these thoughts are self-limiting and that they're not going to create lasting change. 
And yes, the actions have changed, right? Bridget is now initiating at least once a week in the bedroom, but her thoughts are not going to create the genuine love and connection that both partners are seeking, right? It's not just about how often they're having sex. It's about what do they want to create with that? Um, they're wanting to create that genuine love and connection, and that's going to be lacking with that, th that thought pattern. So we're going to come back to this model a little bit later, but I want to illustrate this point further with a few more examples. So another common example of where people often get stuck is with weight loss. So we're going to build a model on that, and we will call this client Anne. So Anne is dieting, and she sees a cookie. <laughs> We've all been there, right? <laughs> and her thought is, eating one cookie won't make a difference. And when she has that thought that it's not really going to make a difference, she feels kind of apathetic about the diet plan. And when she's feeling apathetic, she eats a cookie. And then she kind of figures, you know what, I've already had one. I guess that I'm done with my diet for the day. And she eats two or three more. And then she starts thinking judgmental thoughts about herself and her body, which she tries to buffer away by scrolling mindlessly on Facebook. And that also leads to uh, some mindless snacking as well which is creating even more judgment about herself and her body. So the end result of all this is that her quote unquote diet, <laughs> right? Because she's not even on it anymore. It isn't making any positive difference in her weight. So her thought, one cookie won't make a difference, created the result of there being no positive difference on the scale. And the added shame and judgment definitely doesn't help the situation either. We might power through a diet for a while off of sheer will, but unless we really change our thoughts around dieting, we will find ourselves repeating the exact same loop that we've always been in and creating the exact same result. So now for a third example where people often feel stuck, parenting. So in this circumstance, Brad's teenage daughter comes home with a septum ring. Now, for those of you that don't know, <laughs> those are the ones that go in the nose that look like a little bull ring. That's a septum ring. So his thought when he sees that is, I have failed as a parent. And that thought leads him feeling very discouraged. And when he's feeling discouraged, he's judging himself. He's judging his daughter. He's self-isolating and hiding from the world. He's not posting pictures of his teenager on social media, and he's kind of avoiding taking her out into public and being seen with her. So he's not really even looking at or engaging with his daughter anymore and shaming himself and shaming his teen. And he's also very much making it about himself and his failure as a parent rather than working to see and better understand his daughter. And all of this is creating a result where he's not showing up as the parent he wants to be. And in some ways, he's not really showing up as a parent at all. His thought, I have failed as a parent, created some actions that weren't supportive for his teen or for himself as a parent. So you might be listening to these scenarios and thinking, but what else am I supposed to think? <laughs> I want things to be different. I want to get unstuck. I want to create change, but I just can't see any other way. So let's flip these examples to see if we can find thoughts that might create a more supportive outcome. The circumstances will remain the same. And remember, circumstances are always neutral. They are not positive or negative. They just are. And we can think about them in any way that we want. We are only limited by our own imagination. So while I am offering up one alternate thought for each of these, you might come up with others that are equally supportive. Just kind of play around with it and see what works best for you 
And you know what? Have some fun. Make a game out of it. Okay, so back to Bridget in the bedroom. So Bridget decides to initiate sex with her husband once a week. Her more supportive thought now is, I wonder what I can do to increase my desire for my husband so that I will want to initiate each week. And that thought sparks a feeling of desire. And when she's experiencing that feeling of desire, she finds herself thinking about intimacy. She's reading about female desire. She's thinking sexy thoughts and purchasing sexy lingerie. And she's looking forward to time together. And she's not just looking forward to it. She's actually planning for and anticipating that time together. So now she's being responsible for creating her own desire rather than leaving it up to her husband. And she's thinking up fun and creative ways to connect with her husband that also sound fun and exciting for her. And the result of all these actions are she's feeling more connected not only to her spouse, but she's also feeling more connected to herself because now she knows how to create that feeling of desire from within her. Oftentimes we think it's all these external things that are going to create change for us. We think, well, if I can change all these external things, then life will be better. But it really comes down to doing that inner work and turning inward to create that lasting change. Because really all of our emotions and all of our thoughts come from within ourselves. And that's what's going to determine how we think and feel and show up in the world. So now let's look at Anne and her diet. Same circumstance, right? Anne is dieting and she sees a cookie. Now the thought that Anne came up with that felt more supportive for her was, I know my body can't eat that cookie without my say so. And I am the boss and I say no. (laughs) When she had that thought that she's the boss, she felt empowered and her feeling of empowerment completely changed how she showed up. So she was making some big changes. She was working out and, and it wasn't a drudgery anymore to work out. She was working out with energy and making healthier food choices. And she was just feeling more energized and, and was more active because she wasn't mindlessly scrolling, trying to buffer anymore. And she was also just thinking about that pair of jeans in her closet from years ago and wondering how soon she'd be able to fit into them and, and just dreaming about the excitement of that. And the result of all those actions was she was making positive changes that will impact not only the number on the scale, but also going to impact her overall well-being. And what a big difference, right? And it's all from just changing that one little thought. Because our emotions drive our actions, if you are feeling stuck in any situation, it can be extremely helpful to ask yourself, how do I want to feel in this situation? And then follow up that question with, What would I need to be thinking right now in order to create that feeling? So as you can see with Anne, thinking thoughts that created those feelings of empowerment, um, it made it significantly more likely for her to reach her fitness goals. So now let's look at our third example. And I'm sure that some of you are thinking, uh, there is no way that I can think a happy thought (laughs) about my kid showing up with a septum ring. (laughs) And guess what? You do not need to think a happy thought. (laughs) If a happy thought feels out of reach for you in any of these situations, then just kind of play around with it and see if you can find a more curious one and see how that shifts things for you. So for example, Brad's teenage daughter comes home with a septum ring. And his more supportive, curious thought was, well, that was an interesting choice. (laughs) And when he's thinking that was an interesting choice, it sparks that feeling of curiosity. And when he's feeling curious, 
it completely changes the situation. So when he's feeling curious, it opens up a dialogue with his daughter about her choice on the location and the timing of this piercing. He's actively listening to her reply from a place of non-judgment because he's really interested and curious about it. He's also thinking of ways that he can better understand where she's at and be curious about how he can build a relationship of trust so that he can be a part of future conversations when she's making other decisions in life. And when he's coming at it from this place of curiosity, he's even recognizing that, you know what, maybe this isn't about me and my parenting at all. Like, maybe this is about my kid. (laughs) And that changes how he's thinking about things too. And all of these things are creating a result where he's actually creating a relationship of mutual trust, respect, and communication with his daughter, and also potentially leaving the door open for parental influence in future decisions. So way to go, dad, right? And it's all just from shifting a tiny bit to be just being curious about something. Think about an area where you feel stuck this week and practice becoming a curious observer of your thoughts. Don't judge it, just recognize it and be curious about it. And then kind of play around with other thoughts to see if you can find something that might be more supportive to help you create the result that you're looking for. Let me know how it goes. And I'm very curious to hear what comes up for you. I invite you to join the discussion by finding me on Facebook at Inner Work with Marianne Walker. I have both a page and a private group of the same name. You're welcome to join both. Or you can also find me on Instagram by looking up MarianneWalker.life. I look forward to hearing from you and hope you have a great week. Talk to you soon.